Right, so once again, welcome to the Transformers Church. Uh, one of the reasons why we had some technical issues this morning was because, if, and I would like the church family to listen very carefully at this point. Yeah, one of the reasons why we have technical issues this morning was because we, a lot of things we have to change last night and even this morning. And it wasn't so much about the things we changed, but it's about what we changed. What did we change? So uh, previously, you guys are aware that our mission that is to help people discover and become who God has called them to be. Now, while I was in Spain uh, on a short break, the Lord was speaking to me. On our way back, the Lord was speaking to me that I should put what he has called us to be right in the front of us. So this morning, some members of the church family, we see something raising an army of world changers. Our assignments to help you guys, as we are also on that journey to discover who God has created us to be, our right and our privileges in Christ Jesus. Now, ultimately, what that looks like is that you know who you are in Christ. You are bold and courageous to declare that you are a child of God, you are who he says you are, and you step out to represent Jesus. Amen. So, uh, that has gone off the screen. I was going to, sh- uh, while John was taking the announcement, if you want me one or two things as a script because I, um, she didn't prepare to do this. So uh, four lines that I'm working on for us. So in terms of who we are. So we are who God says we are. We are the light of the world. We do not conform to the world. We represent Christ and we make a difference. So I'm going to send that, uh, I'll look for a way to, the, to distribute that, those lines to you guys. And then it's going to be our, daily, our weekly confession as we as a, come to, back to church from next week, even on Wednesdays. So we say, we are who God says we are. We are the light of the world. We do not conform to the world. We represent Christ and we make a difference. Amen. And to the kids, we have some teenagers online. This is going to be our focus going forward. Each time you step out, wherever you go, bear this in mind, you are not called to conform. You are not called, you are not called to, to fit into the moral of the wicked world. You are called to shine light. You are called to make a difference. So when those kids are inviting you to go do some dumb stuff somewhere, you know because you are, you are a princess or you are a prince. You are a king in your household. You don't go and conform. Like I say, it's a very stupid and a dumb thing for me to commit adultery. It's dumb. When the enemy used to tempt me, we tried to attract the girls because I used to like fine girls back in the days, right? And, um, you know, and I knew I got to work on it because one day I'm going to get married, right? And if I, don't get ma- if I don't work on it, I'll probably be unfaithful in my marriage because you, you never, with all the respect, no lady can, no lady is the most attractive. You know, when you say some things, you just put yourself in problem because people have taught you that you always say your wife is the prettiest, but let's forget, okay, that's, that's, that's something else, right? No lady, no, no one woman is the most attractive, right? And what I mean is this. You know, by the time we put makeup, we do some stuff and we, you know, we patch it together. So a lady who was not looking kind of glam yesterday, you can see because I know I am causing trouble, so I have to look down. So a lady who was not looking glam yesterday, tomorrow when she gets the dressing and everything together, she can just look glamorous. Amen. So where, if you are going by what you see, you realize that you're stable because you always... The standards of beauty are always changing and things like that. So I didn't know I needed to work on it. So the enemy used to tempt me with that. Fine girl, fine girl. And I said to the enemy, this is where I'm going. I said, in my family, we don't do that. Do you know the family I'm talking about? The family of God, we don't do that. That is beneath us. We don't commit adultery in our family. It's not our identification. It's not our identity. And it went quiet. A few things it will bring to my mind. I say, you know what? In my family, we don't do that. It's not in our identity. 
Amen. And this is my assignment. This is Jolomi's assignment that we help you guys to reinforce who we are in Christ Jesus. We stand in it. Sometimes in the workplace, I'm going to get into my message shortly. Sometimes in the workplace, they want to gossip with you. They want to drag you into some dirty and filthy things. I smile. In my workplace, they have never had me use a word of profanity. Not even the S word. They have never had it in my entire work life in the UK. And I've been here for about 13 years. They have never. Because I'm always conscious of what I carry or who I am. One day, a guy was taking stock. Was, was, um, was taking stock of people who swear in the workplace. And I got to make my point. They could not find it in my record. I'm thinking, you have to. So, with how busy you are, you can hear people swearing. We swearing and we not swearing. He couldn't, find a, he couldn't find a word of profanity in my record. I might tempted to swear sometimes because, you know, you hate a lot. So one day you want, does he want to? I said, no, that's not me. I walk every time with the consciousness of who I am. I don't belong to this world. I belong to the kingdom of the Father. I'm a citizen of heaven. And that's why I don't watch some movies. Because I'm, I, I won't allow you to come and pour death in, in me because I don't belong here. And how we operate, kids, listen to me carefully. How we operate as, a, as believers is very different to how the world operates. The Bible says that we should, I want to paraphrase that verse of the Bible. It says that we should not give ourselves to sexual immorality and some filthy emotions and ungodly stuff. Like Edens, like the pagans who do not know God. So unbelievers can do all manner of dirty, filthy things. But for me, who knows God? How we operate and function is very different. When they are depressed, oppressed, and all manner of evil come upon them because of that's their kingdom, I have every right to say, no, I'm not giving in to this because this is not who I am. And the kingdom where I come from is a kingdom where everything has been put under the control and the power of Jesus Christ. And I'm in joint heads with Christ Jesus. Amen. So I'm still trying to communicate. I'm going to reinforce this in our mind as we carry on as a church family. But kids, bear this in mind. When you go to school, amen? They know themselves. When you go to school, you don't do what? You don't conform, right? You don't try to fit in. You don't seek acceptance and validation from people who do not know God because you are a child of God. I'm tempted to preach on that. Probably I'll do that in future. Amen. Let's... Uh, get into the word for today. Guys, you're going to spend me like five minutes extra. We, we're supposed to finish uh, at 11 on the dot, but it's been challenging today. You know, testing, uh, testing, 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 testing. Praise God. God help us. Right, so once again, welcome to anyone who is joining us for the first time online. Uh, welcome to Benjamin and Lakeisha. I got it right. Heart praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> for joining us for the first time today. Amen. Right, so today I want to wrap up on the gift of the working of miracles. So a few weeks ago, I started talk, teaching on spiritual gifts, right? And um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 7, so that we can see the spiritual gifts we're talking about. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. So I'll read from the New King James Version. I'm going to move quickly a little bit today because I don't want to come back to this topic next week. We have more grounds to cover. Um, 
regarding other spiritual gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12, I'll read from verse 7 to 11. The Bible reads, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the signing of Spirit, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works uh, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. But let me take us back to verse 7 again. It said, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And we have nine listed here. So based on uh, teachers that have gone ahead of me in the faith, you know, we broke, we subdivide, we categorize this spiritual gift into three. So we have the revelation gift, the power gift, and the utterance gift. And I've been doing this for, I think this should be my 13th week teaching on this. So we've looked at um, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the sign of spirit. All of these teachings are on the YouTube and the church website. And we've looked at the gift of faith. And then now we're looking at the working of miracles. So the working of miracles and the gift of faith are part of what we call the power gift. They do something. And a revelation gift reveals something. You know, things like um, when somebody comes to you and they can say something about your life, a few things about your life, you know, talk about God's plan for your life. Uh, I'll also say that some, okay, now take note of that word, God's plan for your life. Some people, Lord Jesus, how do I do this? We don't sound spooky. But basically what I'm trying to say is that some people will come and say some things that like, is like God's plan for your life, but they're actually yielding to unclean spirit. Yeah, so you see, we see all manner of false prophets. I can't wait to that point when I talk about prophecy. I might do some being dramatic uh, when we get there, so please be warned ahead of time. Amen. So the gift of the working of miracles, I've tried to differentiate between the working of miracles and what miracles are. Miracles are when the supernatural, spiritual forces intervene in the ordinary course of nature, right? So... If we want to use biblical examples, we look at the children of Israel. You know, if we were going to build a bridge for, over, for hundreds of thousands of people to pass through uh, the, the, the sea, or is it the ocean? My wife, which one? Red Sea. You do call it ocean, you call it sea. Sea, praise God. <clears throat> Just to avoid correction when I get home. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So my wife said sea. So if you want to get some guys to move from one side of the sea to the other side, think about it. How many rocks do you need? You know, how many, uh, how many machines, machinery, machinery do you need to actually make all of that happen? Right? And have to be strong enough for that number of people to go through. And you can't even do that in one night. But the Bible tells us in the book of Exodus that these guys, I think verse 14, these guys, they were led, okay, well, basically, Moses parted the Red Sea. That's what it, dry land came out. These guys went. And the angel that was leading them, you know, took a U-turn, was be, uh, stood between them, the children of Israel, and, uh, and the Egyptians. So those guys could not cross. And the old drama went, it was a nice movie, right? Uh, I, don't know what, I don't know, what's the title? You don't know? Okay, right. It was a nice movie uh, to watch, right? Maybe not the killing of the of the Egyptians, but whichever way the children of Israel won, praise the Lord. Right. So that's a miracle because 
Something we cannot say, step in and divide at the sea. Fantastic. So that's an example of a miracle. But when we talk about the working of miracles, we're talking about when a believer is being inspired by the Holy Ghost, right, to work certain miracle in the life, in the midst of believers. Most of the time, I'll say all the time, the working of miracles is not in the life of the person through whom the miracle is happening. Because the Bible says that when God works, works miracle through a person, a believer, this me paraphrasing what I've been teaching the past 13 weeks, 12 weeks now, now is to benefit each and every one of us. It's not for show off. It's not to become a celebrity. Right? And uh, one thing I felt in my heart is that God wanted me to bust this lies about miracles. You know, people going to seek miracles here and there. So we've talked about a lot about what a what kind of miracle is, and um, what we've been looking at is a downside downside of living a miracle centered life. So when somebody is seeking miracles, the miracles, the miracles. So we've tried to help people understand that you know there are all manner of forces in the world in the realm of the spirit. It's not only God who is invincible; demonic forces are in the realm of the spirit, so they can work miracles too. An example: when Moses and Aaron were negotiating the release of the children of Israel. The Bible tells us that the miracles that Aaron did, the sorcerers in Egypt did the same thing. But this one is not from God. It's from demons and devils. Amen. So we've also covered points that people who are miracle-centered cannot develop intimate relationship with God because they're seeking what's in his hand or what he's able to do, but they're not interested in God. Amen. And miracles don't happen all the time. We've also looked at the fact that people who, are, who live miracle-centered life don't grow spiritually, right? And we cover quite a lot of stuff there. And one of the things we, I, we had to differentiate is the fact that Jesus said, if you continue my word, then you're my disciple, then you might know my word. And um, how to put it? Junior, that's you. It should, it should, and you continue in my word. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So true freedom is in, is in the word of Christ. Not the temporary feeling and um, emotion. You see some people, they fall under the power of the Holy Ghost in quotes. And people begin to see, ah, see the power of God move. Some people, it's not the power of God. They are under spells. Amen. And some of them, they are negotiated to, you know, they are contracted to fall. And some people, they try to get attention, so they fall. I get to me, and I've been on. The, I've been in the ministry where the pastor was ask, asked us to come to the front. I can't forget that day. So I, I noticed from my father the man was pressing people down. I was like, "Guy, you're not going to fly with me." So when it got to my turn, one leg back, I started kickboxing recently. So I think I did right back and left forward. So it was going up. So when it cut my point, he actually pressed me. I said, I'm not going down. He kept pressing me. One way he tried to get me down, but I didn't go down. Amen. No, that's so he, I think what he believes is, you know, when you when you press me, when you push people down, people can say, Ha, ah, he fell under the power. I've never fallen under any power. Amen. But I've prayed with people who all of a sudden manifested and fell. And I I found myself in instances whereby just walking past people, they were just falling. But that falling doesn't make sense to me. What was the problem? Why did you fall? Now, the, quickly. The falling of people is a response to a power of, when the power of God hits them. 
is a response, provided they are not cooking something up. Right? And sometimes, whatever is in them that is responding or reacting to the power of God doesn't leave them. So falling does not mean the person is well. When they fall, they may rise up again with the same problem. Amen. So we see a man of drama in the church. And sometimes when I visit some churches or some meetings and I start laughing and I start smiling, my wife knows that probably I'm seeing some stuff. I'm like, that's just show off. Amen. It's the word of God that builds people up. Praise God. So finally today, okay, last week I talked about the fact that people are vulnerable to, uh, people will be vulnerable or susceptible to deception and lies when they are miracle-centered. And we saw in the book of Matthew 24, 24, where Jesus said that, you know, false Christ and prophets will come and they will do great signs to deceive even the very elect. You see, great signs, great miracles, you see leg growing. It's not that that cannot happen by the power of the Lord Jesus, but just as we saw in the time of Moses and Aaron, people can actually give themselves to evil powers to cook something up. And you see, so miracles don't, you know, they don't really help people in this, to a very much extent. So finally today, <clears throat> excuse me, we want to look at uh, the fact that mir- miracle-centered believers will abdicate their responsibility. They cannot make responsible Christians, responsible husbands or responsible wives. Yes. I said last week that God did not design us at the, at the very beginning. He didn't create the world such that the world would need a miracle. He created everything perfect. Mankind was not designed to die. It was when sin came into the world that death came in. Romans chapter 5 tells us that. So if everything carried the nature of God from the very beginning and is supernatural in a sense, then we don't need the supernatural to come to the natural because we are supernatural. But the supernatural thing that we seem to lost back then, the Lord has restored in our spirit. Our body will still die because, you know, because the, the, the human body has been corrupted with sin. The holy, the holy human body that was not corrupted by sin was the body of Jesus. And that body could not die. Until Jesus carried the sin of the world on him, it could not die. Amen. So if there was no sin in the world, mankind would live forever. In a sense, I don't know what God's plan was on the other side of things, but that's how he designed us. So if from the very beginning God, was not, God did not design us for miracles, then miracles should not be what believers should be seeking in this day and age. Amen. We should be seeking fellowship, intimacy with the Father to do what he's called us to do. Amen. Right. So when believers then down, when they are always seeking miracles, supernatural, 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 it gets to a point that they will not be responsible. I used to be one of them. So back in the days, I used to be part of a church where they teach on divine direction. So any little thing you do, divine direction. Every little thing you do, divine direction. I'm thinking, yeah, we should be divinely directed. Now I know much better about divine direction because the Bible tells us as many, Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Holy Ghost is on each side of you. You don't need to wait for one spectacular meeting or one when one man of God come into the nation and then everybody throng there. Those big conferences, you ain't gonna see me there. Amen. Amen. Or you cause chaos. Tonight if you go there, they will cause trouble. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm questioning myself there. Right? Or you have some kind of meeting places on some motorways in Africa where millions go to, to meet the Lord. Amen. 
I've been there several times. I'm not going to show up again. If the Lord cannot reach me in my room or my local church, I don't need to go for attend one massive conference where millions of people are showing there. And we can't even get a good place to sit so that we can concentrate. It's the word of God that transforms lives. People come there and lie on the floor and they're just hoping something will hit them somewhere. If when I get to that ground, when I lie on the floor, something will happen. And they're still going all the time because nothing has happened. You ask the people about Jesus. They, can't, they don't even know who Jesus is. Jesus is a, to them, Jesus is a teller machine. No, it's an ATM with which they can just press some buttons and money come out or a miracle come out. You see why there's so much division and so hostility in homes and marriages because these guys do not know who Christ looks like or who Christ is. Amen. Praise God. So people will not be responsible. I'm going to go there shortly. So uh, the tagline for today's message, I said, there's no free food. There's no miracle food in the promised land. But let me finish my gist on that one. So I said, I used to be part of the divine direction, divine direction. And one day I asked a lot of questions, yeah, and I could hear him, he gave me an answer to it. And I asked him the second one, and he said, Sunday, that's why I gave you a brain, use it. That's one of the most humiliating words I've had in my life. He said, that's why I gave you a brain, use it. So God wants me to use my brain. But then I did not know much about the leading of the Holy Ghost. Because the truth is this, if there's something that you need to do, if you need to go walk to work in the morning, you better wake up early enough, shower, and get out of your house and catch the bus or the train or get into your car and drive to work. Don't wait for God to tell you, no, should I go to work today or not? Because I don't know whether it's an accident. Seriously? The way he's, the way he's doing this morning, Lord, I can see some spiritual things. Guys, these things are real. People are very funny. Why do you get to work in the morning? Instead of you to attend to patients, you are praying. If you're going to pray, if you, work, if you are contracted to start work at 9 o'clock and you know you want to do your morning devotion, why don't you get to work at 7 o'clock? Why are you using my contract hours to, to pray and do your devotion? One in one, one in two, after one in two. With all due respect, you're fired. Try it. Because I, this is business hours and I brought you to work, to work, to work, to render service to people. And I'm paying you. I didn't have to come and pray in, in work, at work. I'm glad this is the pastor saying it because if this was a, an unbeliever, they would say that they don't know God. If I hire a, a Christian and when they're supposed to start work at night and that's when they, they open their Bible and because they think I'm a pastor, I will understand. Red card. But I want them first. Amen. So, all this miracle, all this fickle Christianity and kind of thing makes people irresponsible with all the respect. And they make us look stupid in the eyes of unbelievers. So, let's go to Joshua chapter 5. I'm going to read 10 to 12. Now, the backstory of this is that the children of Israel were led out of Egypt and then... Yeah, they're on their way to the promised land. Guys, you know what? Should I tell you exactly how I'm feeling? I feel like really busting the lies and the meat behind the promised land. Give me a few seconds. You guys said you give me five minutes, right? Just give me a few seconds. I've had some funny comments and statements from many Christians about relocating into the UK and they see UK as their promised land. Now you get to me. Because they see... And you hear this thing, you know, when they are praying for us that, you know, coming back to Nigeria, they say, you know, you would take all of the blessings and the riches of, you know, the strange land back home and all kind of stuff. And I laugh and I smile when they say it. They don't know better anyway. 
when I slow down, it's because I know sometimes I shake the table and it causes some problems sometimes. So let me calm down a little bit. Now, many believe, many Christians in Nigeria, because I'm a Nigerian, right? So I, I, I can make reference to my country, home country. They believe that if they can make it to the UK to, to, to get a residence or to the US, like that's a promised land. Because when I was growing up, that's what I was kind of taught. There's a promised land, and that promised land is jammed, is abroad. Amen. So people sometimes they come here on visiting visa and they become they become overstayers and start trying to find their way to get paper, some arranged marriage and some all kind of dodgy and things. But some people are able to stay as illegal immigrants for some time, add value to the society, one way or the other, get their papers. It's not usually an, um, a nice journey, but I'll say with all due respect, we should not lie to the government in the first place and become illegal immigrants. But that's fine. Right. So now, many of these guys that are breaking the law of the land, you know, violating the law of the land, and you know, using a fake NI, you know, using other people's document to work, I'm not condemning them. They don't know better. And these same people will look at me in the face and say, you know, the, the, the Lord said that this is their promised land, and they possess this land. You know, the Lord said to Joshua, I said, whatever the soul of your feet shall tread upon, I have given to you. And they will still pray. They say, I possess this land. Which land? Which land? What promised land? Don't forget, let's go back to Joshua. I, time will not allow me to go into details of it. Now, the Lord said to Joshua to lead. Joshua chapter 1, you can take your time to read later on. The Lord asked him to lead them out of, lead them into the land of Canaan. So the Lord sent him an assignment. So for the many believers who see UK and US as their promised land, what did God send you to do here? What were you sent to do here? What was the word again? And if God, were, if God were to send you on a mission, he's not going to do it illegally. He's not a stupid God. He does not violate the principles and the law and governance and conduct. God doesn't work that way. In case somebody is not hearing properly, I'm saying, let me repeat it. God does not work as an illegal immigrant. No, no, just imagine it. So God snuck with visiting visa into UK and then disguise and start running around to dodging the immigration and police because he wants to do a mission here. No, God doesn't work that way. He's too big for that. Why don't we spend time with God to find out how he wants to lead us into certain places? He's all wise, God. When I was, when I was new in this country, I was, I was pressured to go into arranged marriage. A lot of people pressured me into it. One of the things that got me homeless because I couldn't stay in the house with those guys. Because if you keep hearing those things, one day you begin to, you know, Lord, this direction, can we go? And it got to a point that when I get on the bus, the, when I see a lady coming to the bus, the first thing that comes to my mind is that she has papers. And the day I caught myself thinking that thought, I said, this is it. I'm leaving that place. And I was sleeping in many different people's homes. Because I don't want to keep taking in that, that poison. The Bible says evil communication corrupt good manners. If you keep hanging out with unintelligent guys, forget it. It's going to affect you one day. It's only a matter of time. The Bible says, he that walks with the wise shall be wise, but the companion of fools shall be destroyed. So the fact you being a sound Christian and, and making unbelievers, ungodly people your best friend, you know, you say I will change them. As long as you can, the word of God is true and you cannot break the Bible, you cannot, you are not, you, you are not intelligent or spiritually smart enough to outsmart the principles of God. And if that is the case, which it is, it's only a matter of time they will influence you. Even Paul, Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, read from verse 9 to 11 when you get home. 
He said, anybody named a brother who is given to sexual immorality, he said, don't, don't keep company with them. Love them, love them from afar. But those are not the kind of Christians you go to their home and you watch football and do all manner of stuff. It's only a matter of time. As a guy, they will bring in a girl, one, a side chick one day, and you realize that you are having an affair. They should not be your best friend. See the reason why I don't have many Christian friends? Because I've seen stuff, and it's not their fault. It's what they have been taught in church, because I've been to certain churches. I know what some pastors do. I'm not putting my colleagues in ministry down. They don't know better. And if they don't know better, I should not allow them to influence my life and ruin my life and the ministry that God has given to me and my, pre- and my precious marriage. Amen. So all those promised land thing, the question is this, what did God ask you to come and do? And I can say God does not work illegally. That's a word for someone there. I don't know where I'm going in that area, but it's a word for someone. So guys, people have to be careful who they work with. So I left home. I left where I was living because I could not keep giving my ears to those lies and deceptions and the manipulations those people were trying to get me into. Amen. So finally, on that, one, on that note, people should talk to the Father. Lord, I need the wisdom. How do you want me to go about this thing? It's never, God's way, to, to a very much extent, is never easy on the brain. But it always makes you a better person. That I know. I didn't do arranged marriage. Many things they have asked me to go and lie about, to get fake references. All these things I've not done. And I've been much, I am much more, be, I'm much, much, much more better, 10 times, 20 times better than many people who were schooling me to lie. I chose to go the hard way. Guys, let me not lie to you. We've been, we've been planting this journey for about two and a half years, starting online. And we just, not too long, we started meeting face to face. How I've been able to help this church and the church family members in different areas besides the word of God is as a result of the discipline I've acquired in my 9 to 5 job and many other things that I've done and the hard way I've followed. So if I'd taken a shortcut that many funny believers are introducing to me or were trying to get me into, if I followed those ways, what I don't know is that I was jeopardizing my destiny, my future. Because God... God was doing everything possible to train me, to drill me, so that I will be qualified and fit for what is calling me to do now. So I will have lost many years of training and discipline because I want the easy way. I want the illegal way. Amen. Evil communication, corrupt, good manner. And here's 1 Corinthians 15.33. Amen. Let's confirm that very quickly. I need the kids to write that. 1 Corinthians 15.33. He said, do not be deceived. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived, NKJP. Evil company corrupt good habits. Amen. Evil company, evil friends will corrupt you. You are either a Christian or not a Christian. If you are a Christian, you better believe the word of God. If you want to say you want to beat the word of God, you are better off not being a Christian. But a believer should conduct their life by what the word of God says. Amen. So back to responsibilities. Let's go back to Joshua chapter, Joshua chapter 5, verse 10 to 12. Joshua 5, 10. Now the Bible says there, it said, Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, at a twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land the day after the Passover. Unleavened bread and parched grain. On the very day, on the very same day, then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, 
And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Later on, you can go to uh, Exodus 14. You see at some point that after they left the land of Egypt, manna, you know, kind of waffles were being supplied every day all through that journey in the morning. And, and um, quails were being supplied every night. I call it, you can call it uh, roast or you can call it suya, depending on the country you come from. Amen. Right? But these guys were having bread and meat every day. Right? And the Bible says here, when they got to the promised land... When they ate of the food, don't forget I said earlier on that God did not design us to live in miracles. Now, God wants us to live in the blessing, not in miracles. Amen. God wants you to live in the blessing. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.3, he said, Now, thanks be to, be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Say, so in Christ Jesus, we are blessed. If anybody tells you to bring some money for something for you to be blessed, is a lie. There's no such thing as money for blessing. I said last week, it is diabolic, right, for you to want to transact with money what God has already given to you in Christ Jesus. All those silly seeds, all those 24-hour seeds, all your sowing, your Isaac, they are lies. Tell any prophet or pastor to come and have that conversation with me. There's no such thing as sowing your Isaac. Is Abraham's Isaac? Is it your own? And what did Abraham sow? Please don't get me offended this morning. <laughs> they will say, Isaac sold in the land and he lived hundredfold. Some of us, are, we, are, we are thieves. We are thieves. Why do you want the return of Isaac? And what did Isaac sow? Did he sow money? The guy was a farmer. He's a hardworking guy. He planted crops. And he had a better harvest. He had manpower. He had machinery. In a sense, well, he had ox. Yeah. The guy was working. I know I'll never get that, but I might, but people that get ready, please, this is the message you share with people, because, uh, so that people are warned. If you come to me and bring some money to me to say, you know, oh, pastor, I said, God is working great in your life, and I want to tap into that anointing. I may end up speaking like Peter did to, what's that guy? Steve, eh? Simon the sorcerer. Your money, your money perish with you. Do you know what God said, Jesus, God said about Jesus. Luke said about Jesus in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. He said, Our God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing, poured and oppressed of the devil because God was with him. I don't understand. You, you, you're not getting it. Jesus said, I was, I'll pray the Father and he will send you another comforter. The Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost inside of you, there's an anointing on the inside of you. Ephesians 3.20 tells us that there's a power of God at work on the inside of us. According to him, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you ask or think, according to the power working in you. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, he delegated the authority to you guys. The Bible says, it's a Christ in you, Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We carry God, we are the carrier of God's presence. If you carry God in the person of Jesus Christ, what kind of blessing are you paying for? It's an, it's an insult that we, we, we are giving money. Money. It's, see, that's, it is, that is an embarrassment on the personality of God to buy divine gifts. It's, it's, it's an embarrassment. It's humiliating. And I can feel, I, I can feel, feel God's pain somehow. Right? It's humiliating. So say so you want to buy God's anointing, you want to buy God's blessing. What Jesus died for, a, a, a sinless man, and they, they ask you to come and sow a seed, and you go and give that money. 
when we are having, this is a joke, when we are having our accounting reconciliation or how we spent our money, I'm going to ask many Christians why they went to give, this is a joke, give money to buy what God has given to them. Even healing, you dare not sow seed for healing. It's evil. You dare not sow seed for, for healing. You dare not. You receive it by faith. So for guys joining us for the first time, how I teach, like I introduced us earlier on, I'm called to raise and train people. So the way I speak sometimes is train the people so they can deal with the situation one day, come to them. So I just do my thing. They know how to pick it. And um, amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So we can see from this guy's story that after the act of the land, you know, manna, the miraculous supply of manna ceased. All those checking the post, people lift up their offering. They say, yes, Lord, I saw my offering. Check in the post. That's what they are for. There's something, something, contracts that... If you don't do due diligence, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you won't get the contract. If you don't offer quality service, do strong marketing, do enough networking. Don't follow bribery that they do in Nigeria, my friend. Amen. Amen. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, forget it. Sow seed. Sow your offering and your, your tithe. Nothing will happen. You know why a lot of people are angry about tithe in this today? Because they are not seeing what they were promised by Titan. That's why you will never hear the word Titan in this church. I'll say, people give. If you have a multi-million pound project to do, give as you are able to. If God has actually put that project in my heart, he's going to fund it. What I don't think God can fund, I will not do. So we remain in this facility. When it's time to move to something bigger and I see the need, Father, you sort yourself out. Show me how to get the money. You got to get me business. You get me something. I'm going to... God said something to me. He said, don't look at their money. So whether somebody gives one pound, all the time they're in TTC, hey, my business. They didn't call me. They didn't send me. He who sent me, God be ready to find what he sent me to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're still talking about responsibility, guys. I had like 30 minutes to it, but I'm going to rush it. <clears throat> Let's go to Genesis 1, 15. <laughs> Uh, is it one, one second? Let me see this. What am I? I don't have my glasses here, but let me try to. Uh, two fifteen. Let me. Yeah, two fifteen. Uh, I beg your pardon. Genesis two fifteen. <clears throat> now the Bible reads here. It says, "Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it." Another version says, "To take care of it." Friends, God created us to walk. People die earlier when they retire and they stop walking. It's a known and proven fact. There should be no such things as retirement. You may retire from a nine-to-five job, but what about the walking, what God has called you to do? Because it is in doing what God has called us to do that we find joy and fulfillment. Some people... They are looking like 70, even though they are 40, because the job they are doing is wearing them out. We are all caught for a purpose, to, for a purpose, a purpose, a purpose, a purpose, a purpose. Let's slow down. Uh, I, want, I want to preach something there, but let me come down again. Okay. 
a purpose as God leads us. I mean, as God created us for a purpose, I'm tempted. I resist temptation to preach this morning. Amen, amen, amen. So that's what we should be living for, discovering what we are in Christ Jesus. What has he called us to do? You know, when someone knew I was into ministry and my workplace, they said something must be very hard for you, tough for you, like, you know, preaching and doing these things you do is not easy. I said, guy, that's what is keeping me alive. Because that's what this job, job, I would lose my mind because then I was working with some demons, principalities and powers. Ah, those guys are wicked, right? But the gospel, the assignment God has given to me was what was keeping me, and so it was still keeping me. If I was not doing this, I don't know where I would be today, to be honest. Because I was, I was literally dying about two and a half, about three years ago now, I was going three years now, when I was fighting this up, I didn't want to do this. Because I've seen so much abuse in the church and I don't want to have anything to do with the church. I didn't. I didn't want to go to any church, any church pastor by black people. Now I'm a black pastor. Yeah, that was, that was tough. I was like, Lord, you know, you, you know how... When I say church and I say the pastor is black, I forget about it. We're looking somewhere else. And I saw all this thing coming. I was like, Lord, you, you, you got to help me. Here. Like, I'm not doing this. I've seen so much, so much manipulation and oppression in church. But why can't God use me to raise that new standard? To show the people of the black community to say, you know what, this is what pastoring is. We are called to care for people, to provide for people, to guide people, to train people, not to manipulate, control them. We got, to, we got to throw down that, 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 that um, culture of control and give people the opportunity and the liberty to be who God has called them to be. And those were my fights in the first two years of this assignment to remove all of those, all of those evil and address all of those mindsets that I was even given going, growing up about ministry. And that's why I'm not going to attract masses. You know, someone, I was having a conversation and someone said, you know, you need more people and stuff like that. I said, I want the right people. Because I know a few things I can say that will trigger people, you know, tickle their itching ears, and they start, throw, throw, um, they start coming in throngs. But they cause a lot of problems. They cause so many problems, so many pain, they will, and they will divide your church, all manner of stuff. So you better have systems and processes in place that attract the right people, who you will train and empower to go reach out to a lot of people. And, you need, and I need an army, an army of small, strong people who can be my armor bearers before I start opening the doors to all people in a sense. Because I can't see anything. I can't see everything. But if I have trusted men and women, they can watch my back while I watch theirs too. So why can't God use me to raise that new standard? To help people and to restore sanity to the Christian faith. To make people of other races begin to see Christianity from a different perspective. That the fact that black pastors, many black pastors have abused and controlled people doesn't mean that Christianity is fake or is rubbish. Someone has to stand up. God, does not, God did not create me black by accident. I'm proud to be black. I'm a black guy. You know, I have gotten into a debate or argument with someone online. And also, okay, I was speaking to another pastor, he's a white guy. And he was saying something, you know, if you don't mind me saying, you know, you, you, know, you, you are black. And in my mind, this was what I was thinking. I was smiling. I said, no, no, carry on. But in my mind, this is what I was thinking. This is my honest confession. In my mind, I'm thinking, do I look white? Do I look white? I am black. I don't do political correctness. I do biblical correctness. What's wrong with me because I'm black? If I can be darker than this, I would like, I'll be, no, 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 I don't want to because you guys will be to see that night. I'm proud to be a black boy, black guy. 
Call me black. They say, don't, 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 don't push it. Don't, no, no, call me, I'm a black guy and I'm proud. Next week, maybe I will pour oil on my, head, on my face so that you see that I'm a, I'm a shiny black boy. Amen. So, we still on this, guys. You just kind of bother me today. I mean, I'm just having fun with you guys, but I need to let you guys go home. So, these guys, when they got, when they ate the fruit of the land of Canaan, what happened? Man assist. God did not create us to looking for free food. No! God did not create us to look for free food. If everybody were thinking the same, would people have a job? Some people took the pain upon themselves to create job opportunities for people. Believers got to wake up. You got an amazing brain and potential on this on the inside of you that you can put to work. Amen. Uh, let's look at Ephesians 4:28. This, this is where I'm gonna rush this so that we can shut down. Ephesians 4:28 says. Sorry, I'm trying to come down there. My eyes. Yeah, so let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So to a very much extent, believers should be working to have enough to give. Not just me, myself, my family. I'm buying the cars that people do, they don't need. I, I know Londoners tend to like their cars. I can see a man of flashy cars that they get on um, HP to impress one another. I'm not speaking to all of them, but the ones they know themselves. Amen. I will not buy what I don't need. If I will have to live to impress someone, I don't want that person to be my friend because I'm going to be their slave for the rest of my life. Also, always looking for people to impress them. And as many times I'm looking to impress other people, I'm not focusing on becoming who God has called me to be. And I'm depriving the kingdom of God an asset to do what he's called us to do or to advance the kingdom. More on that in the future. So believers should work and not just work in, this is the salary I need. And I'm fine with this. That's another sect. This is what I need. Why do I, why do I want to have too much? I can just eat and I'm fine. Uh, maybe give some to charity. One of the things, okay, God, Lord, how do I say this? Okay, let me not say it because I will not be able to really uh, explain it in the, in the short time I have. Believers should, should believe to look to be prosperous. I'm going to preach on prosperity one day. Believers should want to be prosperous so that they can give. I know prosperity has been really abused by many preachers, especially in America, but that is the distortion. That's the way I was talking about me being a black pastor, right? The fact that some people have distorted and abused prosperity doesn't mean that prosperity is wrong. I know how much it cost me to put all of this together for us to be here this morning. So if I was thinking now, we just myself, no, we don't need much. We are called to ministry, just me and my wife kind of thing. You know, uh, we just do 20 hours or 15 hours a week. You know, we want to because riches is for black people, bad people and kind of stuff. We ain't going to be here. Because I won't be able to afford this hall to pay for it and to get all of these things. So Christians need to kind of renew our mind. Amen. So Paul says there that anyone who is stealing, they should not steal anymore, but they should walk and do what is good, not illegal job, not, not some dodgy things. You will never hear in this church that somebody will give a testimony that they get a job. It's not going to happen because I don't know how they got it. 
that's not a testimony. Testimony is part of what testimony is. The Lord led me to lead someone to Christ. Those are sound testimony. God opened the door for us to preach the gospel here. Those are testimonies. And I'll tell you guys more about testimony. But material things that unbelievers can get without praying and fasting is not a testimony. I repeat, what unbelievers can get without praying, they don't even pray because they don't know God, is not a testimony for the believer. You got a job, you bought a house, you bought a car, congratulations. It's not a testimony. My next house, because I'm trusting God, I'm going to not, okay, next, next one is possible. God can help me out. When I build my own house in this country, because I'm going to beat all of those demons of poverty in this country, and I'm going to prosper. Not from the church money. You guys know that I'm not a lazy guy and I'm a business guy. Yeah. I work in the business sector in a sense. Amen. I'm, I'm not going to do housewarming. So if anybody knew, find out that I moved to a maybe six-bed house or something and they get offended that I didn't invite them, all the best. I'm not housewarming anything. It's not a testimony. I can invite you for dinner or Sunday roast. It's not a testimony. Amen. Sunday, you got to release these guys to go home, man, <laughs> because they're having fun. <laughs> Amen. So um, a few scriptures for us to very look through, then I wrap up. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 10. Let's read very quickly. 1 Thessalonians 4.10. And indeed, you do so toward all... Okay, let's carry on. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that you may work properly towards those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. Like, guys, take your time to read that too. Uh, at home, there's more in there. I'm just going to touch on a few things there. But what did they say? People should mind their business, believers. First Thessalonians 4, uh, 10 to 12. People should mind their business, believers. All those, fight, all those fighting on social media, condemning and attacking and criticizing people on social media is a, is a sign of joblessness on the side of believers. You will hardly see me on, on social media. You see more of my posts soon. Because I need to create awareness about the church. But guys, I'm not there. I'm using third-party applications to schedule those posts. And it's not for you people to come and view and like. It's so that the people who are looking for kind of TTC may find it. So I'm converting social media to an advertising platform. Amen? If you want to build relationship with me, call me on my phone. Or send me a message. Don't say, I. Two weeks. I. I, yeah. I feel like being Nigeria here, I would have said, am I your mate? <laughs> but this guy, that's inside just to talk about that some other time. No. Some people introduce some nonsense to me on social media. I'm thinking, have you looked at my profile? Do you, do you know I'm a serious preacher? I'm a serious teacher. I'm a pastor. I have better things to do in my life. Amen. So please, guys, read that one again. I'm just trying to prove something to us. That if we are always looking for a miracle, God intervene, God intervene will be irresponsible Christians. But the Bible documents very well that we should walk. Amen. Uh, let me quickly show you an example of Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 20, verse 33. Guys, thank you for bearing with us this morning. Acts 20, 33. Very quickly, Paul said, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Amen. I'll talk about more in future. Yes, you yourself know that these hands are provided for my necessities. 
Hello? These hands are provided for my necessities. And for those who were with me, Paul, despite how hardworking this guy is, this guy is, was a tent maker. That was his trade. He was still working, finding one way to do some work to provide for his own necessities. And for his team. So a man of God says, you know, he's going to full-time ministry, it should not work. You see why they manipulate you and try to siphon money out of your hand? Because they ain't working, they ain't doing anything to deliver value, offer value or product to get money in return. And when bills pile up, they have to manipulate people to be able to meet those needs. Or they lose face among their colleagues and peers. I'm telling you, I mean, real life stuff. Amen. Verse 35. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this. This is Paul's example. So if Apostle Paul, the greatest of apostles in a sense, is giving us this example, so what excuse do we have? By laboring like this, that you must support the weak. Can you see again? Not that you have enough, but also support. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Finally, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse, um, four, uh, verse 6, very quickly. I'm going to read 6, 14. But we command you, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who works disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how we ought to follow, uh, how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you guys. He didn't put the eyes there, that's my own. <laughs> Nor did we eat anyone's. Now look at the example, verse 8. Look, look, look at what Apostle Paul considered orderly. No, he said, Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. There's more to this disorderly, sexual immorality, all kind of stuff. But look at this. He said, Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. But what with labor and toil night and day, that we may not be a burden to any of you. You see why I mind my business? The church, God did not give me a church to feed my family. It is. Let's leave that. Because I get emotional about that. I'll take it personal. Amen. Right. Not to be a burden to any of you. Verse 9. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not walk, neither shall he eat. For we hear that, that there are some who walk among you in disorderly manner. Not walking at all, but are busybodies. I rest my case. Amen. Because you guys have been so generous. 20 minutes is massive. Eh? In this day and age, praise the Lord. You guys have been so patient. Please go and watch all of the five episodes, and then you get, you'll be able to summarize everything back by yourself. Amen. We saw in the Bible several scriptures. You know, Acts 5, 12, you know, Acts 15, 12, you know, even Acts 6, 6 8, you know, uh, Acts 8, 5. We saw that, that mighty miracles were done through the hands of the apostles. But one of the apostles who was doing miracles is actually saying it. This is Paul. You can read that in the, I think Acts 15, 12. Who, who did many signs and miracles? The guy was walking. But if the guy was considering miracles to meet his needs, he's going to be irresponsible. 
So believers should go and think and look through these things. So guys, I've defined working on miracles to us. I've, I've done a good job to some extent in the past five weeks. Please uh, replay those messages. If there's anything that I miss out, uh, please reach out to me and I will properly explain. Right. So thank you guys for your patience today. Um, we're going to say a quick word of prayer and then we just have a quick, quick round table and then we go home. Amen. You guys have been so, I've done so well. Amen. Generosity. That's one of the things we're practicing. Let's, let's bow our heads for prayers.